0: supernatural religion grounded in jesus so we want to hear what your holy spirit has to say to us and we want to see what your holy spirit wants to show us and then by the power of jesus inside of us we want to be changed we want to be the kind of people who are full of the courage and the joy and the peace and then overflowing with that into the lives of other people and we ask this all in christ's name amen Hey, opening question, I want you to fill in the blank here, and that's this. Uh, I really wish God would give me, an in, give me insight and understanding about blank. How would you fill in that blank? Yeah, somebody just said everything. I really wish God would give me insight and understanding about. And maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's a future decision. Maybe it's a current dilemma. Maybe it's an issue in your own kind of secret life that you're not sure how you can kind of break out of something. Maybe it's uh, some other kind of financial conundrum or dilemma. And I put up here, I wish, I really wish, and I and I'm I put that knowing that you know the right thing to say would be I am praying about this, but I also know sometimes we have these desires and wishes and we're not even sure how to put them into prayers. So in a sense, I could have said, I, you know, I. I, I I, I'm praying, I would love to see God give me insight and understanding, and sometimes I think our wishes kind of morph into prayers, but how we communicate to God and things like that, but insight and understanding is something I think we all would love to have more regularly from God and more completely from God. I mean, I, I would like that, and I'm not saying I want God to always send me answers, but insight and understanding is something I'd love to have, but it doesn't always happen When you want it or when you think you need it, and then you start wondering, okay, is God holding out on me? Am I not asking for this right? Or what's going on? And we're left with questions. So today we're going to talk about a situation where somebody was asking for insight and understanding and it was delayed, and there's some other issues going on here, and we're going to look at that today. And how do you think about those things? And does God really want to give you insight and understanding? We've been doing a series, we started this before Christmas. Angels, the invisible world, and you. And we looked at the passages in the Bible where the named angels, which is Gabriel and Michael, the only two named angels, you could, unless you count Lucifer, who the fallen angel. And we talked about where Ga- you know Gabriel shows up to Mary. Gabriel shows up to John the Baptist's father, uh, dad. Gabriel shows up actually in the Book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Last week and this week we've been talking about where Michael shows up, and the angel Michael. So. Go to the next slide here, because right away I'm going to give, uh, so this is, this is what we're talking about today, Daniel chapter 10, Old Testament. Angel Michael battles the spirit prince of Persia. Now, it sounds like a movie, right? And right away, and I'm going to reintroduce this, go to the next slide here. We've got the weird meter going on here, all right? The weird meter, for those of you who haven't been around for a while, is when, when things start to get weird in the Bible, like spirit prince of Persia, I mean, it sounds like a superhero book. Like, Invisible World. There's weird. So, in this particular passage, there are things going on that if you and I weren't Christians, we'd look at it and be like, really? Is that really what's going on? And it's the weird meter. It's when when supernatural things start to kind of come to light in the Bible that force us, really do, they really force us to wrestle with do I believe? There's a world that I don't see that's, that, the, that God is active in, and there's angels and demons. And I'm not saying that in some kind of hocus-pocus way. But not only do we believe that, but how do we then align our lives around that reality? Because I've said before, the invisible world is just as real as the visible. Then the follow-up is, and then how do I align my life around that reality? How do I live life differently if I believe that's true? So this particular passage, the weird meter, something, again, Let's be honest about Christianity. Um, I believe it's all. I believe there's logic and truth behind it all, but it does stretch us because we live in the we live in this world, and we we love the scientific method, and what we see and feel and hear is what we believe. So when it comes to passages in the Bible where there's supernatural healing or supernatural events, um, we really do need to stop and kind of take account of our own thinking and how we live life, and see what. If this is true, how do I live differently? All right? So go to the next slide here. So this particular event <laughs> takes place in Daniel chapter 10. This is an event, again, where an angel shows up. Daniel chapter 10, this would have been like 500, 600 B.C. Daniel was a Jewish young man along with other Jewish people that when the, uh, the Persians sacked Jerusalem, which, you know, Jerusalem's back in Israel, they basically take into exile some of the best and brightest of Jewish young men, and young young women for that matter. And so Daniel is a prophet. He speaks for God. He, you know, but he shows up. All of a sudden, he's back in Babylon. He, he's, he's at a place he doesn't want to be. He's in a foreign land, a foreign culture. And um, he's always asking for insight and understanding. He doesn't understand why this is all happening to him. That may be a story of your life, too. I don't understand why this is happening to me, God. So Daniel, probably the teenage years, was ripped out of his home, sent into a foreign country, foreign land, pagan land, anything but worshiping the God that he grew up worshiping. So Daniel's in Babylon around this area when this particular thing, uh, chapter takes place. There's been other times in the book of Daniel up to this point where Daniel had some visions. And a vision, sometimes a vision is simply something he was seeing in his head that was really r- r- very real to him. Um, the new Testament talks about dreams and visions. I believe people today can get dreams and visions and they're not necessarily multicolor kind of things that, but there may be a visual image you see that God puts in your head. So it's not, it's, let's not make it too hocus pocusy, but it's supernatural. All right. So in Daniel chapter 10, um, we'll, we'll just read the event here and we'll kind of go with it and kind of let the weird meter go. All right. So Daniel chapter 10, this is Daniel writing this. He says this, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. That was his Babylonian name. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. All right, before I finish... Just keep in mind, Daniel did not want to be where he was. He, all of the Jewish people wanted to go back home, and, but they knew it may never happen. And they were trying to figure out why God allowed this to happen. Again, not, not, un, not unfamiliar with some of our own stories. Why did God allow this to happen? Why can't life be normal and what it's supposed to be? Alright? On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen. Now let's just kind of picture this in your mind a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Ufaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. So if we could actually picture that, I'm sure it's quite an amazing, awesome kind of thing that he saw. Some people, some People, Bible scholars, think this may have been like Jesus showing up in a different form. We don't know, but it was obviously a supernatural thing, something from God, all right? I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and I listened to him, and I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. Next one. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, t- to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. That phrase, by the way, I think I've mentioned it, is repeated a number of times in the book of Daniel. It's, it's, really, uh, it's really neat that God is always telling Daniel, you're very precious to God. You're very, and I think that's what God says to us. You're very precious. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. So this is an awesome kind of thing he's experiencing. Next line. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding. All right, remember I asked you earlier about praying for understanding and insight. He was praying for understanding. He was asking for insight about his current situation, the situation of his people, and what the future was going to look like. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. And I have come an answer to your prayer. Now, stop here for a second. So this being is saying, I'm coming in answer to your prayer. So you prayed, and now I'm part of God's response to that. Now, this next part is where the weird meter gets a little high. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Kind of sounds like a superhero movie or something, right? 21 days. The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, angels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So it's like this cosmic fight. Right? I, I couldn't come in response to your prayer for three weeks because I was engaged in a cosmic fight. And then Michael came to help me to fight against the spirit prince of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. But let me just stick on this for a second. Um, we have two choices at this point, and you always have choices when you're reading the Bible. And, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying they're both good choices. We can either believe what's being said is true to reality. Or we can say, ah, uh, there's something else. This is just kind of a weird kind of literary device. And there really is no invisible world kind of stuff like that happening. You could choose that. I don't think the Bible supports that choice. But it would be understandable to some degree as a rational being to say, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, spirit prince of Persia? I mean, it's like, what's going on? And angels fighting? And I pray, and somehow the answers to my prayers are blocked because there's a spirit prince of Persia fighting. I mean, there was what? What? That sounds weird. I mean, this is a weird meter, probably as high as it can go. But either this is true about how reality works and how God designed reality and how the invisible world works and angels and demons, or it's just some kind of a weird kind of. Literary device or Daniel has been smoking something that he should have been smoking or something. We don't know, all right? All right, go to the next one. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord, and I'm very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Go on. Then one who looked like a man touched me again, and and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, for you are very precious to God. Again, repeated, you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, and be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger, and I said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. And he replied, this is the last part of this, Do you know I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. And again, it's, it, it's almost as if we're watching a movie that's kind of on the same s- scope as Lord of the Rings or Narnia or something that's like. I don't, I don't. Meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. Now other, uh, just leave it here for a second, other places, uh, later on in the book of uh, Daniel, Michael is t- told he was the guardian of Israel, guardian of God's people. So you get a sense, and then, uh, actually in the, in the New Testament, Michael is arguing with Satan about the body of Moses. So I'm just, these are the ends when Michael shows up. So most people understand that Michael must be then the angel that's guard, the guardian of God's people, like the lead warrior. And, you know, it's interesting. Well, no one else helps me except your, the spirit prince except Michael, Michael, your spirit prince. But then there's spirit prince of Persia, spirit prince of Greece. It's like, go to the next slide here for a second because I think I have that, got the map there. Okay, back to this. Okay, so, so it seems as if, and wha- what what's this is called in, some, in a lot of theological circles, they talk about territorial spirits. So is there a spirit, a spirit prince of Persia? Was there a spirit, a spirit under the authority of Satan that was given the authority to manipulate and engage people in this certain geographic domain? And is there a spirit prince in Greece that was given authority to manipulate people? I mean, does it work that way? Well, the next one, I mean, is there a spirit prince of the Midwest? I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to, is there? Is there a spirit prince of Bloomington? Is there a spirit prince of Monroe County? Is there a spirit prince of Indiana? D- does, does, does reality look that way? Now, granted, Daniel, so what's interesting is Daniel m- prays for insight and understanding. And that's what it says. The minute you prayed for, ins- for understanding and to humble yourself. The minute he prayed, he said, we heard your prayer, but we were delayed 21 days. So to some degree, when we pray, when we ask God for something, are we provoking some kind of cosmic battle? I mean, again, it, it sounds kind of grand and dramatic, but I'm just saying let's, just, let's be re- realistic with what the Bible tells us here, and let's try to figure this out. Is there something else going on when we pray? And maybe, maybe, when your prayers are delayed, Sometimes our prayers are delayed simply because God has a timing that we don't understand. But then sometimes what we're left to think is if we don't get answers to our prayers, we're left to think one of two options often. Either A, I'm blowing it, I'm not doing this right. I must be doing something wrong. God doesn't want to tell me. I must be sinning something. Dah, 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 and there may be some issues there that you need to deal with, but in general, we think I'm 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 blowing it. I'm not a really mature person. Or B. God must not care. He's holding out on me. Because we're asking God for wisdom or we're asking God for healing. And it's like, well, if it's not happening, either we're not doing it right or God really isn't as powerful, as loving as I was told that he was. When I think what this passage helps us understand is maybe there's a third option, a third reality. Maybe there are other ones too, but maybe there is spiritual battle going on. Maybe when I pray, the Bible tells us that Satan is very strategic against God's people. What we talked about last week is it said that Satan declared war against God's people, which would be us. It says he's angry. It that he walks around like a lion seeking to devour us. It says he schemes. It says he, a- he masquerades as an angel of light. So it sounds to me as if if we understand the Bible correctly and if we believe it to be true, which we do that Satan is a very strategic enemy. And I'm not saying this, I'm not trying to scare us into doing it, but there's, he's very strategic, he's just not haphazard. So, uh, Satan knows me, Satan knows Jameson, Satan knows Alan, and are there specific strategies he has against individual people in our marriages, in our families, in our community? and our church, and our state. I, I'm I'm not sure I even have a clear answer to that, other than the Bible seems to indicate that t- Satan is quite strategic. There's other passages I won't get into where Satan seems organized. And even in the book of Revelation, it talks about a town called Pergamum, and where Satan has his throne. So it seemed like in that particular time, the Apostle John who penned out Revelation, Pergamum must have been like a, a, a place of evil. I mean, you have to believe that during the, the era of Nazi Germany, the activity, if we believe Satan is real, the activity of Satan was heightened in that part of the world. You have to believe, it, uh, uh, otherwise it's hard to make sense of what was going on, or in certain parts where there's mass genocide or mass evil happening we have to believe that there's some kind of activity of the evil one that is heightened or they have more authority in that area. Authority to manipulate people, manipulate leaders. And so when Daniel prays, it seems like he invokes this, provokes this battle over the lives of the people in the area of Persia. And even, especially over the lives of God's people who desperately wanted to get back home. So You know, so I'll just, the the one statement I'll make, and I think I might just stick on this slide a lot. Things are not what they seem in your life. Now, again, I'm not saying that every time, I said this last week, every time you have a flat tire, or in our case this week, our dishwasher stopped working, or if your car doesn't work right, or the water heater breaks, I'm not saying that Satan, the spirit prince of your house, is doing all of that. I don't, I don't know. Or, but let's, it seems like more when you look at communities or regions of the world or even regions of the country, are there ways in which Satan is more active? Are there ways in which Satan may have more sway? And if we pray more, does that mean it's almost like is there this battle and the more we pray, the more it pushes Satan back on the football field? One of my favorite Christmas movies, actually it's the best one ever, is Elf, all right? And there's a part of Elf, and I thought about this when I was thinking about this this week, there's a part of Elf where Santa's sleigh just won't take off the ground. And do you remember why? Why, why, why wouldn't a sleigh take off the ground? There wasn't enough Christmas spirit. Because the Christmas spirit had just, everybody had kind of disengaged from the Christmas spirit. So then people start singing Christmas carols. And even people who weren't, who are were like almost Ebenezer Scrooge just start singing. And the more they sing, the what's it called, The Clausometer? The clausometer gets higher and higher and higher and all of a sudden the Santa sleigh can get off the ground because they're getting chased by the Central Park Rangers. And But the more you sing, the more, the more, the more, then the more power comes to the sleigh and it takes off and goes. And I, I, So does that mean the more we pray, the more evil forces are held at bay? And I think we'd say, well yeah, we know that, we believe that's true. But does that mean we keep track? I mean, uh, it, it seems to be the response is, you know, well yeah, we need to pray. I don't, know, I don't know if you've read, there was a book year, out years ago called This Present Darkness. Frank Preddy was an author. And he seemed to have this understanding that the more God people prayed, the more the angels won. And uh, it just, it's w- we don't know exactly if that's how it works, but it's kind of an intriguing idea. Now, a couple other uh, so and when you think about your prayers for insight and understanding, maybe God's holding back on timing for some reason. He's never holding back his goodness. But there may, have, there may be another reason why things aren't happening the way you thought they should. Because maybe, maybe there is opposition. Oh, well, not maybe, there is opposition. Maybe it's the opposition that's holding something back in your life. So the, the question then is, okay, if that's true, then what's our response? How do we live life differently? Now, you'll notice that, that Daniel doesn't, he just prays. He doesn't say, I bind you, spirit, prince of Persia. He had no idea what was going on. And sometimes people respond to this is, well, we're going to pray and we're going to bind the spirit that oversees Bloomington. We're well, there's no evidence of the b- scripture we're supposed to do that. Because even, even if the angels were battling the spirit princes, and it seemed like it was very contested, our job is, our job is simply to ask God what we ask God for, be alert for the, st- 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 the, the strategies of Satan, but the battle is God's to fight, not ours. So when people say we need to bind the spirit of adultery, bind the spirit of pornography, bind the spirit of abortion or whatever, I think those are well-intentioned prayers but that's not a biblical approach to this. So I, I, then the question again is, OK, so why do I, how do I think differently about this? Well, I'll, I'll go to this next one here. I'll go to this next slide. So pray for understanding and don't give up. Maybe there's something that you're wanting understanding for, and you're just thinking, "Well, I'm not getting it. God's not giving me insight on this. Not, God's not giving me any next steps on this. So I'm going to quit. And to some degree, it's understandable because you're like, I've been praying for this for years and it hasn't happened. Or you may be praying for somebody's healing and it's not happening. Obviously, when we pray for healing, it doesn't happen 100% of the time. And it's not because God can't or doesn't want to. And it's not because your prayers are inadequate. It's because we live in a fallen world that still, still is a world at war. But that doesn't mean we give up. So if you're praying for understanding about something or praying for insight, keep praying. Daniel had no idea what was going on, but he kept praying. He fasted. He was trying to figure out, God, what do you want me to do? Our job is to be per, have perseverance and to some degree almost an aggression in prayer. Not, we're, sh- we're not shaking our fists at God saying, you need to do this, and neither are we trying to fight Satan. Because if the angels are engaged in, in incredible battle, we don't, f- we don't fight Satan directly in that sense. But the scripture does say, be on guard against the evil one. He's going to be a schemer. Be ready and don't be ignorant. So I'd say if the, for those issues in your life where you feel like ah, God's not pulling through, it's not, don't, don't pin the disappointment on God as he does, he's not doing what he's supposed to do don't necessarily depend on the fact that you must be praying wrong. There may be something else going on. And your job simply is to keep praying with perseverance, asking God for insight. Be aware of the way that Satan might plant thoughts in you that are discouraging, deceitful, disheartening. Because Satan can do those things. So that's our job. Our job is to continue to be people who pray. We don't need to pray against certain spirits. We simply pray that God's will be done through us and whatever he asks us to engage in whatever way we do that. But our job is not to kind of with bravado all of a sudden start declaring all these spirits bound. Because we, we do believe, the Bible teaches, there are spirits in the world that are set on our destruction. We talked about that from Revelation 12 last week. So it doesn't make us live like weird people, like we're hiding around and trying to cast demons out of our water heater or cast demons out of our dishwasher. Um, that's not our job. Our job is to ask God and pray and persevere in asking him for... What's interesting is wh- what provoked Daniel, this whole warfare, was it said, from the moment you prayed for understanding and you humbled yourself. So it seems like when you and I decide that we are in desperate need of God, His wisdom, and we take a humble posture toward God. What feels like a very passive act on our part engages some great spiritual conflict. Daniel provoked war because the battle is then over you, your soul. So it seems as if a very, uh, I'm trying to think of a military term, but I, a very kind of attacking kind of approach for us in prayer is simply to tell God, I need understanding and take a humble posture. And that begins, because there's, when we do that, God has all kinds of open doors in our lives. But when we f- stop becoming desperate for God, when we think we've figured it out, when we no longer need God's wisdom because we've got our own GPS, we'll figure it out, thank you, God, for giving us whatever you give us, um, but don't quit. Don't <laughs> quit. Don't quit praying for those things. Don't be disheartened. Um, God hears them. You don't know there's a battle going on. I just think when He says to Daniel, "21 days, we've been trying to get to you." Um, don't quit. Last thing. Two last things. God fights for you. What we, if anything, what we learned from Michael. Daniel doesn't invoke an angel. He doesn't say, oh, angels, go fight the demons. He invokes God. God then initiates battle. And what we learned, if anything, from Michael and even in Gabriel, he shows up is that God is intent on fighting for us. And it, Him fighting for us means He wants us to have understanding. He wants us to have insight. He wants us to be open to the ways He wants to work in life. He wants us to be people of forgiveness, of mercy, of strength, of compassion, of courage. He wants that of us. And he, he wants that so much, He will fight for you to have that, as long as you keep yourself open to that. And this last passage we'll close with, I did this last week too, First John 3, 8. John tells us the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus appeared, his death, his resurrection somehow sets into motion the, the, the already decided defeat of Satan, but we're still in the middle of the battle. But the work of Jesus, his blood has defeated. He's a defeated foe. He has no power equal to God. He is a defeated foe, but he's just a harassing, harassing spirit now. But he has no power to defeat you he has no power to overtake you because that's the power that Jesus has in you so once you close your eyes um, and I, I'm going to say this I'm, I'm I'm guessing I'm not guessing I actually think this is I'm pretty sure this is true uh, there are some of us here this morning who've prayed for understanding you've been praying for things uh, praying God to give you insight asking God for direction, even like we sang earlier, I'll go where you, le- we ask for those things and we don't stop getting it, and maybe you're feeling close to feeling disheartened enough just to quit asking, and almost become a Christian fatalist, so I'm, um, I'm just going to say this, if, 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 if that's you, if you feel like you're the point, you're feeling almost disheartened for the things you're asking, not getting responses from God, I'm going to ask you to, keep your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand up. No no spiritual marker there other than just your own indication of, I, I, I desperately want understanding and insight from God. I'm not getting it, or at least I'm not h- figuring it out, and I just need prayer. So if that's you, just uh, stand up. God, for those who are standing and even those who are sitting who will face these situations or if they already haven't, God, um, like like your angel said to Daniel, these people are very precious to you, God. These souls who have indicated they're wrestling with wanting to understand, they're very precious to you. And God, would you affirm to them that you are for them and not against them. You are for them. You have not forgotten them. And this very, that you, heard, you hear their prayer the moment they utter it. How and when it comes to fruition or answering, we don't understand. We don't understand if there's spiritual battle going on, if it's your timing that's, that's holding on to something. We don't know what it is, God. But we all, what we know, your call to us is to persevere in prayer. So I pray for these people standing, that they would persevere in praying for wisdom and insight and understanding on whatever issues they're thinking about or what they've been asking about. And I pray, God, that you would give them, just like you gave Daniel these messengers, I pray that you give the, these people stand, some kind of reminder, a message, something that they know is from you that would give them the courage and the strength to continue to persevere in the pathway you've asked them to walk, live, and pray. So, God, would you do that for them? That's the lesson we learned from the angel Michael, that you're for us and that you want to strengthen us and that you want us to have the wisdom and understanding and insight that we know we need for our hearts to be full of the life of God. So go ahead and sit down if you're standing. God, God for all of us, um, thank you that you are for us. Thank you that greater is you in us than the one who's in the world. That's what the Bible tells us. You're greater in us than than the evil one is. And so, um, you can open your eyes now. uh, We finish every Sunday with uh, communion, and we do that. I always tell people, uh, you know, the, the worship's not the show, the sermon's not the show, the show, in a sense, is what Jesus is, is. Jesus is the show. He's the center. And then we are the whole show because we are the ones who give testimony to the power of Jesus in our lives. So here's how we do it at Exodus. Um, we're going to sing a couple more songs. Uh, Jaren and Kayla will lead us a couple more songs. And as you just come up, when we start singing, we do not Dismiss My Rose.